Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Emergency Nine Golf Podcast. I am Mike here with McLean is back with us this week. How are you, sir? Great to be back. I'm much warmer than I was last two weeks. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I just I feel for you. Just freezing. <laughs> freezing he, in the upper south. Was, Not even the north, even on, the upper south. He was spraying on uh insect repellent on his arms as he's sitting outside of his house. His t-shirt and flip-flops. South Florida. <laughs> and we're all bundled up in in yeah. in in the north. Well, I say north. We're in the no. We're definitely not north. in the north. No, but it's still fucking cold. Yes, I did have my ice scraper out the other day. Thirty degrees here. Uh, Jay Bird, how are you, sir? You're along with us as well. All three of us back mm-hmm. together. Long lost cousin. I'm here. Okay, <laughs> that's yeah. good. That's good. I. uh I'm still I'm still trying to figure out my whole new studio in this new house. I'm in a new room. I feel like there's an echo. My microphone didn't work like half on, half off last week when I was listening back. So I apologize to our listeners. Um, I don't know what's going on, if it got messed up in the move or what, but I'm still not operating on a hundred percent here in this uh yeah. this new this, it, I'm not gonna lie, it's kinda weird. You're holding the mic. It looks yeah, because this, this, it looks uncomfortable. Gonna, it do, it is gonna, uncomfortable. The whole situation gonna, is uncomfortable right now. I feel like you're gonna sing. Are you gonna sing a song to us? Yeah, are you, you never know karaoke right now or Christmas what, carols? What, what are we doing? Well, I can put up some <laughs> lyrics on a on TV. Well that's just the stand's too far away from me and I want to lean back and I don't I don't know what I'm doing. Okay. I'm just trying to figure this out. We're gonna just gonna just so, wing this as as yeah. we typically do. Well, but, it's my job as your your counterpart for this podcast to make fun of you for holding oh, the mic. That's it perfectly does fine. look really weird. I'm just saying. Um, maybe I'll sing okay. a little ditty later. You never know. Yeah, let's go. If you're, let's, if you're lucky, let's hear, let's hear the vocals. Um, I'm I'm yeah. like it. I'm like that's drink good, enough to do that. Yeah, I was going to say brother. We bring more bourbons for that. The acoustics in this room are not great for singing, but so I'll just blame that on my bad voice. Uh, speaking of that, what are you guys drinking? Uh, you know, um, I will. I'm gonna jump right in here, and I'm gonna Ooh. sound very masculine. I'm drinking Eagle Rare for all let's, those who are making fun go. of me and my and my uh, pinkies up. You know, McLean has made fun of me and my pinkies up, and I've had some other buddies like, "Oh, you go way in depth with all your bourbon and what you're drinking, and blah blah blah," but. I will say there's plenty of people who do appreciate what we're drinking yeah, and given absolutely. the backstory, but I'm going to leave it at that. I'm drinking Eagle Rare. It's good. Drink it. If you can find it, get it. I love it. I, hey, Jay, I I appreciate the the backstories because that's a lot of what bourbon is. Um, yeah, it is. There's a lot of nuance to it. It's you, a don't bourbon. Your, you don't have to put your pinky up if you don't want to. I do. Well, I wasn't. Well, really I think s- you're forced to because it's only a three finger chalice. <laughs> it's little. I, wasn't, I can't fit my hand around no, this thing. No, that also looks uncomfortable. <laughs> I wasn't endorsing the pinky up, Jay. I was endorsing the background stories on the bourbon. I mean, I could probably do just an index finger and a thumb, but whatever. We'll do with the pinky, the pinky up. Pinky um, up for sure. That, eagle rare. I like that. That's what I. That's what I was drinking last week. Was a little eagle rare. I mean, yeah. you can't go. You can't go wrong. No. I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've been in in the bourbon game or not in the bourbon game. Whatever, eagle rare. If you can get it, get your hands on it. Everybody loves it. It's equally as good to everybody. Um, I'm currently have three drinks. I got a water in front of me. I have I'm finishing a Corona seltzer, nice. and then I I also have uh, an Angel's Envy. Wow, you are really getting after it tonight. Water, so, yeah, it's very overwhelming. Seltzer, yeah, two bourbon? computer, two computers, three drinks. I'm holding my microphone. New room, and you're holding the mic. 
It's a lot. A, a seltzer That's and a awesome. bourbon. We may actually hear him sing. <laughs> He's gonna <laughs> sing. This is this is absolute guaranteed. Uh, I'm not sure about that, but you um, just wait. That'll get our rating. Right here. What do you? I mean, what do you call that? I mean, it's a mass whole minute when you go crazy. What is it? A mass whole? You know, what do you what do you call it when you start singing? Break off into song? Like, it's got to be know. a name for that. A mass whole musical. It's <laughs> not bad. That's that's great. Yeah. Right off, right off I was coming up with. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll go from mass whole minute to mass whole musical. Uh, well, my wife's in the room right behind me, so she can pretty much hear everything I'm saying. So she'll probably come in and stop me if I start singing. Yeah, that's out of self-preservation. <laughs> that's just so I don't embarrass her, pretty much. Fair. Nothing Fair. to do with me. We're we're past that. <laughs> True. Uh, I won't take up much time. It's a it's a Corona light night here in South. Oh, America. there you go. Um, I kind of forgot about you. I figured as much. <laughs> you know, gone for one week. I mean, yeah, we we pretty much know what you pretty doing. much know. Every it's really just more of a question week. for Jay and I now than you. So it, it should be, hey, Mike, Jay, what are you drinking? McLean, are you drinking anything different? Is, yeah, I think it, yeah, I think McLean, you need to run point on that question and just ask us what we're drinking. We don't I'm, care about you. I might have to start doing that. Uh, <laughs> one of our listeners actually reached out and I posted a picture in the keys uh, earlier this fall when I was there. And I just put, and there happened to be a Corona light in the picture and I just get a DM from him. I don't even know who the guy was, but he's like, so you really drink Corona light a lot, huh? <laughs> I was like, if I'm drinking, I'm going to have a Corona light. Yeah. That's my choice beverage. <laughs> you and Snoop Dogg and Tony Romo are just drinking Corona lights everywhere. It doesn't matter. And who's, who's that other guy? Uh, Andy Sandberg. Yeah. Andy Sandberg. <laughs> I did. Just rallying off rhymes on the beach. Yeah. And Snoop was, he was pretty harsh on that. I mean, <laughs> his, his rhyme was pretty good. All right. Well, let's get into a little golf here, huh? So, um, Hero World Challenge this past week down at Albany, Tigers event. He was all over the place, even though he didn't play because of his plantar fasciitis. But Victor Hovland wins back-to-back Hero World Challenges for Victor. He gets it done, wins by two over Scotty Scheffler, who could have become number one player in the world had he won. We might want to talk about that in a second because I disagree with that. But um, what's your take on Victor? Did you guys watch much of it over the weekend? I tell you, well, before before we run into Victor real quick, you did mention something. He won over Scheffler, and I watched a little bit Sunday. Scheffler with his wedges was uncharacteristically bad. He hit some awful chip shots and some awful short wedge shots. I was incredibly surprised to see that more than I was to see Victor winning. I mean, Scotty looked like he hit the ball in some pretty good spots and just could not convert um, with some, quite frankly, some short yardages in his hands and even some chip shots around the green. Just it was very uncharacteristic of him. Um, I think he got it back a little bit more on the back nine, but man, the front nine was was very squirrely and it looked pretty evident that Victor was going to run away with this as long as you know he didn't have to get into another chipping contest. Well, I'll say oh, Victor no. from the things I saw Victor hit a couple of nice wedge shots and pitch shots. Really nice. Um so I think I it was think- Friday I, I saw him hit one I'm like, "Oh man, he's got no chance at this." And then he hit it to like a foot. I think uh, you know to your comment Mike and I think wedge shots from the fairway like if if there's like a middle uh, let's just say middle to half swing or full swing 
that's one thing. The the chip shots, like that that's a different, that's a whole different animal. We saw Tiger kind of struggle with that, like I don't know, maybe it was seven, eight, nine years ago when he was really struggling with it. But like it, that's a different, that's a different animal, like a chip shot just off the green. And I think that's where Victor really kind of struggles. And and this setup with uh at this tournament was is it was so easy for him to hit like you know, little bump and run shots. He could hit like an eight iron. He could hit a hybrid. He could putt. Like he had so many options that he didn't have to hit the 60 degree kind of flop shot off that tight lie, which granted he's a great ball striker. So he's going to hit most of the greens anyway. So he was able, it was a little bit of a scapegoat for him. Like he was able to get out of that and not have to rely on that as much. And and you could see obviously how it played out for him, but. Yeah. I mean, it's hard not to like the guy as a as a person. Every time you, you hear him talk, he just seems, you know, pretty humble and but still, you know, thoughtful in his answers and entertaining. And it seems like everyone when they're around him loves him. I know that he was a big hit on the Ryder Cup team last year. Everyone was just like kind of begging to play with him. One, because he's just a solid, solid player, but two, he's just kind of fun to be around and lighthearted. And um, so it's good to see him succeed. I don't know what to make of it. And um it was uh, Chris Solomon with no laying up had this stat. He's played in 66 events in the United States, has not won. He's played in 12 events outside of the U.S. and has won five of them. Wow. I don't know why. You know, he hasn't won the big events. He hasn't won in the continental. Actually, he hasn't won in any of the 50 states. He's won in you know Puerto Rico and Mexico and now the Bahamas a couple times. It's just it's just an odd, you know, odd thing with Victor. But I think you know we've had this conversation with a few guys. It's w- what can he do to yeah. now win something bigger? You know, this is a lot of big names in this field. It's only twenty guys, and you know, and Jay, you and I talked last week. You know, how serious are some of them taking it? Are some of them just taking it as, hey, let's go to the Bahamas. Hey, honey, let's bring the kids. Let's yeah. bring the let's bring the nanny and have a, a little vacation. And oh, by the way, I'll make a guaranteed check for sure. four days of golf. Sure. You know, I, it's tough to quantify because I don't see a massive difference in the golf courses that he's won on versus some of the ones that he plays in the states, especially in the southern uh, the southern part of the state. Um, it, like I said, it's it's just kind of tough to quantify. I, I don't necessarily think you can negate the fact that he went head to head with Scotty Scheffler on Sunday and, and take anything away from that. Because as we know, Scotty is one of the absolute best players on earth right now. Um, could he have been a shade rusty maybe, but still at, at the end of the day, I think those guys, when they're in that position are still there to compete. I think they still take it seriously. I think if you're, you know, one of the guys that starts the day, you know, well out of the lead, yeah, you're, you're probably not taking it as serious. You've got a guaranteed check, and they're all going to be pretty solid. Um, but I, I also think that when you're under the gun, you're in the last group, you're playing on Sunday, those juices still get flowing. And I think we have to still give credit to you know what he was able to do and, and who he was able to hold off, regardless of um, whether Scotty faltered a little bit. Yeah, and no, I'm going to correct myself a little bit here, too. He has won twice on the European Tour, so... I think those 12 events were PGA tour um, events only not counting two wins and and really the hero world challenge doesn't count as an official win. Um, you do get much of bunny. You do get world ranking points 
which is weird. Uh, and um, but he has won twice on the European tour, so I think that stat did not uh, factor in European tour starts, just U.S. PGA tour starts. Yeah, I mean, I honestly think that this Scotty Scheffler swing is just weird. I don't know how else to describe it. Like I was sitting around with a couple of buddies of mine, and they were like. I don't, I don't know what it is about this guy. Like, I like him. He seems like a likable guy. He's kind of a unassuming kind of, he, you know, I, he, he's not like very vocal or articulate when you interview him. Um, there's nothing flashy about his game. His swing, it's just swing is just weird. Like, it's a weird move. Like, his feet are moving all over the place. And I, as much as we want to like kind of put that to the side and just say, hey, you're a great player. You're, you're one of the top players in the world. Um, it is still from an aesthetic point of view, like as the, uh, as a viewer or a fan watching him play, it's still, he's just, I, I hate to say that that, that even comes into, into the, and in, into the ranks of, of how people, you know, put him, you know, compare him to the top players, but it is like, it's like, Hey, do you want to watch Rory? Do you want to watch Scotty Shuffler? Like, I'd rather watch Rory swing. You know, I, you know, we brought this up, um, you know, a couple months ago. And I, I, you know, I, I talked about Adam Scott, like, I think he's got one of the best golf swings on the planet, you know, and I think people enjoy watching him swing the golf club. Now, is he, is he one of the best players on the planet right now? Uh, You know, obviously not, he's not ranked in the top 10 in the world, but do people enjoy watching him swing the golf club? Yeah. It's, it's pretty damn incredible to watch him hit a golf ball. And, Nothing against Scotty Scheffler. It's it's it is impressive to watch him move and his feet slide all over the place and him still hit golf balls close to the hole. But do you want to watch, you know, Rory or do you want to watch Scotty swing a golf club? I mean, I don't know. I'd rather watch Rory. I mean, well, and you can you can even just well, Rory Rory's got one of the prettiest motions in the game, and it's just fluid and in balance. And but even just comparing Scotty to some of the other guys in the top ten, you know, like so the Hovland. He doesn't have like the most picturesque golf swing either. But no, it's weird. You, yeah. But you watch him, and I, I kind of take try to take the point of view of just a regular fan sitting on his couch that doesn't know the golf swing like the three of us do. Yeah. You still look at Hovland when he swings it, and it's like, well, yeah, that's a legit powerful golf yeah. swing that you don't you don't see at your local golf course every day. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. Well, Scotty's moves very reliant on timing. You know, with all the with all the movement that he has with his body uh very reliant on timing and it's tough i don't want to say that it's tough to do that long term because we haven't seen what he's going to do yet but i do think it's more difficult than someone who is as technically sound as aurora is you know i i saw something this week where tiger actually said to charlie yeah uh, we all saw that yeah yeah, you know don't go for it watch me watch rory or mirror your swing after rory he's never been out of balance yeah, and when you have a guy like that speak on a subject such as yeah. that, mm, you should your, ears, your yeah. ears should. Yeah, you got that right. They should be in tune. You, you should listen. Um, yeah. I'm sure Charlie's getting plenty of quality instruction, but at the same time, you know it, it it means a lot. And I think Rory even hearing that would probably feel pretty good about himself. Um, yeah, give him some confidence about what he's already doing so incredibly well. Like, okay, I'm, I'm one of the best players in the world. Is he, I mean, he's the number one player in the world right now. So it's like, okay, do we want to take this to the 
to the next level. I've got Tiger here giving me his in, his own, you know, brand of endorsement, like to his own son. Like what? Okay, let's let's keep rolling. Let's do what we can do, uh, and do it the best as as good as anybody has seen since since Tiger was in, you know, his in his heyday. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm not trying to bash Scotty Scheffler by any means, but. No, it's just not. It's not a pretty swing. He looks it's a little weird, out of balance. I don't know. Looks I like mean, he's I'm... flailing sometimes, like you'd see at the local golf course. And I, honestly, I, I, the one thing I will say is, like, if you haven't, if you haven't gone to a uh, a PJ Tour event or a Corn Fair event or any any professional golf event and watch these guys hit the ball in person. I think you're doing yourself a disservice, you know, especially if you're a you know good golfer and you're you know say you're a single digit handicap at your club. Go watch these guys play, and then you can compare yourself to what they do. And it, for some of you, you may say, "God, these these guys are incredible." And if you're a really good player, you're, you you can see these guys falter a little bit and say, "Hey, you know what? Hey, they mess up too." But I think if you watch Scotty play in person and 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 listen to the contact that he, I mean, he flushes it. Uh, and I, again, I'm not trying to. Um, to shed light on, uh, you know, or, or to try to uh, throw shade on, on Scotty, I should say, I mean, he's obviously one of the best players in, on the planet. Um, uh, but I, from a, like I said, from an aesthetic point of view, like I, you know, his swing is kind of goofy. It's goofy, you know, to watch it on, you know, on TV, but he obviously is getting it done. He's a great player, but if, if Rory or Tiger were playing, I'd rather watch him. I'd even probably watch Justin Thomas over Scotty Shuffler. I'm Whoa, just saying, wow, that's big of you. It's- that's real big of you. Well, you know, here, here's how I look at it. I mean, it. you know, 2023 is a year of growth. Let's go. <laughs> if you're inside the clubhouse looking through a window and you watch, and you see Scheffler swing out on the range, you're not going to give it much of a second look until you get out there and you hear his contact. Hear the and contact. Great yeah. point. We're exactly where I was going, Jay. When you hear him make contact, you're like, oh, that's a different sound. That's different. But if you were to watch Rory or Tiger, or Justin Thomas, Louis Eustazen, um, Adam Scott, Justin Rose, you know, some of these guys, you can tell through the window that that's yeah. different. That's that different. is just the yeah. look of it's different. It's yeah. it's it's that next level. However, as we know, golf's about a game of add them up. It's not yeah. always about pretty. You know, we yep. can go back to our uh, one of our early favorites here on the podcast. Mr. Jim Furyk made a hell of a career with a swing yeah. that you'd teach nobody. The junkyard dog. Junkyard Gotta dog. Gotta love that guy. Um, real, real fast. I just have to mention this. I, I didn't put this on the agenda either, but since someone brought up Charlie Woods, I texted you guys. I don't believe this, by the way. I know so, you're, I, I don't kind of right there right. with you. I don't think this is right. One seventeen. Come on. I don't, I don't remember right. which day this. I don't remember which day this was. I'm in my new house. I'm I'm actually building a something. I don't know. I've been building a lot of shit. Anyways, I had the TV on. You were not building anything. I was building stuff. Absolutely. You were, stuff. you were building stuff. Yeah. Go fuck yourself. I'll show you everything in this house that I built. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I had the TV, TV on the wall. and tigers in the booth and he's doing his interview and he's there. For, I guess he was for a few segments. It was a good half hour. He was probably in the booth, if not more. And, you know, Charlie, of course, gets brought up a whole bunch with him playing the PNC. And actually Charlie was behind the camera in the booth and they kept panning to him, who won, by the way, he looks completely different than he did last year. The kid's grown like oh, yeah. a foot. He's yeah. probably gained 50 pounds. Like the guy's jacked. The guy, the kid's jacked. And 
So they asked Tiger, like, hey, has Charlie, you know, has he gotten you yet? Has he outdriven you yet? And he goes, yeah, it's actually already happened. And then he, so they, they, they sign off. And when they come back from commercial, Paul Isinger was like, yeah, well, to the viewers, he's like, I asked Tiger on the range the other day, what is Charlie's club head speed? And Tiger said, 117. He's 13 years old and he's swinging at 117. The tour average is like 115. 112.8. That's, that's insane. I mean, he's going to swing at 130 by the time he's 20 years old. <laughs> he's gonna, he's going to probably be a no, long track. It'd be, it would be longer. It would be faster than that based off of a 13 year old's muscles to a 20 year old. It's a whole different ball game. And quite frankly, once he gets up to 22, 23, 24, when he really gets all of his adult muscles, that's when you could see him. If he's at 117 right now, he's 135 easy easy at that point because he's going to grow another foot he's going to put on a ton more muscle maybe, maybe um I, that, I, that's i'm not i would doubting. love to see him get a foot that'd be that'd I'm be not, incredible i i mean it's it's i don't think it's unrealistic with what tiger's height with and elon was fairly tall uh in her own right she i want to say she was one. five eight five nine um yeah uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's 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 very. very Let me search her and see what I can find on her. Yeah, he could easily here. be he could easily be five eleven, six foot though. Yeah, yeah. I I I I see where you're going. Like he, the kid's five foot right now, and he's swinging. That's what I'm saying. He's swinging at 117 miles an hour. That's that's insane. what I'm saying. That is insane. Um, oh, they got Elon, they got Elon's height at five eleven. By the way, so she was very tall. There you go. There we go. All right, yeah. Charlie, you got you got a shot, dude. So I, I hope, I don't know if the PNC is going to have this kind of data, like a tour event, like they're not going to have like the track man data, but I, I hope on one of the tee boxes, they get it out there. Cause I want to see some of his numbers. I want to see his club head speed and ball speed. And oh, they will kids. absolutely have that 100%. The only problem will be if tiger nixes it when he's only putting up one Oh six, one Oh seven, which True. is still fucking incredible for a 13 year old. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's incredible. incredible. That's my speed. I left, really I left myself. I left, my, I left myself open for a comment. Really good there. for a thirteen. Right as it left my lips, I'm like, don't say that. <laughs> don't say that. I didn't even <laughs> say anything. I just you caught me in awe. I was like, what? You what? just had that, that smirk on your face. <laughs> That's not right. No, I'm a, I'm a 105, 106. Absolutely. Are you? Well, maybe. Wow. Wow. Okay. All right. Sorry, I'm checking Elon. What's five eleven? She does not look five eleven. He didn't believe you. He had to. Search yeah, he had line. to. I definitely went. <laughs> he thought I lied about her. Like, There's no way. I mean, who who is Google? Google saying this? Google is uh, just, Wikipedia. That's who I was looking at, uh, which Wikipedia. is always right. We know that this is. I not checked. Right. Ask Jeeves. Jeez. If I had if I had a Wikipedia page, you'd say I'm six two. <laughs> Well, maybe she is. I don't know. She just looks short, but maybe she always dates guys that are six five. So other than Tiger, so I don't know. If I was six two, I'd have a billboard letting people know. <laughs> you and me both, buddy. Right on I ninety five in Palm Beach County. <laughs> That's gotta be expensive. So I do want to. Oh, and Jay just left, so we'll get back to this Rory question I wanted to ask you guys and. Um, since we had brought up Rory as well. But 
Jay didn't let us know he was going to get bourbon. So now we All get right, this. We'll, we'll break for a second. We'll break for a second. I'm so fucking happy. It's college basketball season. What game are you watching? I got um, UVA JMU on. Okay. Uh, Illinois, Texas is an OT. All right. So what I was getting ready to ask Jay before I noticed he was. Oh, before I went on a bourbon, bourbon trip, went on a bourbon break. Um, we were talking Rory and interesting thing came up. So Rory every year does this interview with a journalist named Paul Kimmage of the Sunday independent in Ireland. And it's always like an end of the year, big, long sit down. It's like a six hour interview. He sits down with this guy and they go over all kinds of stuff. And the guy's been putting out, he's put out two articles on the interview since. And I think there might even be a, a third part coming, but I, I don't have access to the actual article because it's behind a paywall. Um, I'm not a member of the Sunday Independent in Ireland, so I can't read the whole article. But um, the fine folks at Golf Magazine and Golf Digest and other publications have read it and put the cliff notes in. So we know Tiger, or Tiger, sorry, we know Rory went on a tear this year. And it all seems to stem from, at least for asking Rory, is to a golf ball change. So leading into the Masters, he wasn't playing great, decided he wanted some last-minute prep and went to the Valero Texas Open, an event he doesn't really play that much. He noticed he actually had, had played the Masters ahead of time, or excuse me, played Augusta ahead of time, and noticed that the Pro V1s they were using on the range were reacting better to then his golf ball. And I'm not using any of these brands to say good or bad about any of them. I'm just going to use them for facts. He plays He was playing okay. the TaylorMade TP5 and wasn't liking the consistency of the spin. Some were going too long, some were going too short, just spinning different. We know some Pro V1s were better. And he played awful on Thursday at the Valero Texas Open and went talk to the tailor-made guys and says, I'm, I'm done with this golf ball. Like I need something else. So they suggested based off the characteristics, a golf ball that uh, Robert McIntyre uses, which is the older version of 2019 TP five X. He went out, hit a bunch of balls with it Thursday afternoon, liked it played Friday, still missed the cut. And then he said that was really a blessing in disguise. Cause then he spent time the whole weekend, Saturday and Sunday going before going to the masters playing with it, chipping with it, putting with it, which we all know is just as important. And for me, actually, it's almost more important than hitting a driver. When I'm chipping the most. Chipping is is by far, to me, the biggest thing that I look for um, in a golf ball. And That's because so, you missed a lot of greens. <laughs> <laughs> you, you and me I both. Would, like, I you would and like me both. To, you and me I both. Would, I would like to say it's because the chipping is the best part of my game. And so it's a vital piece. It's also the best part of my game because I miss a lot of greens. So you're right. It is is your best. It's the best part of your game. You are a damn phenomenal chipper and putter, but you do get a lot of practice. I do get a lot of practice. I miss a lot of greens because my iron game stinks. But I do recall knocking in like a 55 yard wedge shot on someone on this podcast like two weeks ago for an eagle. You Just, did. You did. Okay. You did. I, was say, I wasn't in Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he spent those two days prior to going to Augusta, testing this ball, playing with it, hitting balls with it, chipping, putting, all this kind of stuff, kind of getting 
accustomed to it and getting a feel for it and then puts it right in play at um the masters we know what he did comes in second goes on those tear wins three times um and so i don't know what do you, what do you guys make of that i mean it's a pretty ballsy move most of the time these guys when they change golf balls and make that big of a change cuz i would think that's probably the biggest change a player on the tour can make is the golf ball and most of the guys are doing yeah. it in the off season yeah no i mean i i think you know you we i, I was kind of joking when i said that but yeah i think Switching to a golf ball mid-season or, or any at any time, you know, is, is a big adjustment. So these guys uh, have to really they, they change. Not only do they change the yardages from for each club, but they change the the look or the flight. Like there's a visual when you hit a certain shot with a certain club. Say when I hit my you know pitching wedge or my eight iron, you know, I know that this ball is gonna is going to exit the club face at a certain trajectory and each and, and McLean, you can chime in here too, but I'm, I'm just speaking from a, from a player and a visual s- side of things. I know you've got some technical data to back that up, but you know that a ball is going to, is going to take off at a certain, uh, at a certain launch. And, and it, when a ball doesn't react that way, it, it throws, throws things off. Now it could be for the better, you know, and Rory's uh, and Rory's situation, he, he threw this in play, whatever wasn't working for him before, whatever ball he was using. I don't know which version. I'm sure it was the most current um, TP5 that they have. And he dropped back to an older version, obviously. And he's like, oh, wow, this is this is doing what I want it to do. Or this is this is matching up to my visual, which, you know, I'll be honest with you. And, and McLean, you, you can, you, again, you can chime in here. Sometimes a player can say, this is right. This ball is right. Or this club is right. Or this shaft is right. This is exactly what I want to see. And you on the other end from the technical side, you can be like, Hey man, these numbers don't look very good. Like it's not matching up with what we would want to see for you uh, as a player to, to be optimal. But if you love it and you love the look of it, it's like, okay, you know, all right, give it a go. You know, I, you know, Again, I don't, I don't, I, McLean, I'll let you kind of, you know, chime in, but I, I think at the end of the day, you, you kind of give them all the technical data, but if they just fall in love with a certain flight or the certain look or, or, or the feel, then you're like, okay, if you love it, go for it. But like, I'm telling you that it's not really better, but if you like it and it gives you confidence, then you go with it. Well, what I would be most interested to, to know and i didn't hear the um article or the uh, interview is what the differences were my initial thoughts are that it has to do with spin mm-hmm. which it also directly affects trajectory as well yeah i would think he may have gone back to a ball that spins less based off of my knowledge of that ball um but at the same time being that it's an older version it, it it may perform differently than the newer version of a different ball. So, yeah. and I know that's tough to follow a little bit, but basically the ball he was playing should have been the spinnier version and the ball he went back to should have been a less spinning version. So yeah, it's the, it's the firmer of the two as well. Correct. Most so, likely means. So that, that would be something that would interest me to to hear a little bit about what he felt that he was gaining to me, the most obvious thing is going to be spin control, um, which again affects trajectory and distance. But it, it 
a player of that caliber is looking for control when the ball lands. That's one of the biggest things that you see in the difference of a touring pro and every other ability level below them. The, the better ability player is able to control the ball when it lands. It gives them access to more pins. It gives them access to more greens. It gives them access to um, more control at the end of the day in just the simplest form. You're right. And, and on, on top of that, McLean, I would say this is, I'm making a blanket statement here, but I would say most players, and I'm using Tiger as an example, um, would prefer to have more spin with their irons because that gives them more control. Uh, but there they, is a level of too much, too much. So you can sure. also lose control from that. Aspect. And, and that, that may be, yeah, you're right. That may be the, that may be the case with, with Rory. Maybe he was a, an ultra spinny guy, but I know tiger is like plays one of the spinniest balls. Like nobody. And again, again, this is kind of where, where we were going with this. When you talked about the ball and tiger plays the spinniest ball on tour, it's not even close. It's no one plays a ball that is as spinny as his. Um, but that's what he's used to playing. Again, he came from that wound ball era in the 80s, 90s when he grew up. So he's used to playing that spinny ball. That's what he likes to see. He feels comfortable curving it more than most. Um, and I, I honestly feel in today's age, spin or curve it less, hit it straighter, because that's what the ball is designed to do. But again, you know, maybe, and again, maybe uh, Rory was trying to play a ball that was spinny like Tiger because that's who he played with. And it was like, you know what? Hey, man, I grew up in the 2000s. You know, I, I like seeing the ball go straight. I don't want to see the ball curve as much. And uh, that could be the difference for him. I don't know. I, I, it, based on based on what ball he went back to, it sounds like that's the case. I, I don't know. Well, and one thing to take into consideration there, Jay, is that because Tiger grew up with such a spinny golf ball, it put a ma- massive um, emphasis on being able to control the spin of the golf ball. And when you watch Tiger, you know he hits very few full iron shots. Very, very few. He's controlling yeah. spin and trajectory better than anyone, and especially during his heyday, without question, better Nobody than Nobody better. Nobody better. So Tiger can take that spinny golf ball, and he knows how to take that little spin off of that 105-yard wedge yeah. shot that – a lot of players, if you hit full, you're going to jerk it back off the green or you're going to absolutely lose control. Of 99%, some of the 99% of players don't know how to play that ball. That's exactly right. So yeah. Tiger can get away with playing a spinnier golf ball because he knows how to manufacture golf shots and he knows how to control the spin probably better than most. And he relies and, on spin around the greens. And he's the most talented. Well, I've heard Put all that. those together. I've, I've <laughs> heard that helps. Read it somewhere. Pamphlet, <laughs> I think. Um, but long story short, I think you know the players of our generation and even younger than us, which is what the tour has turned into now, these guys haven't had to control the golf ball quite as much or had an emphasis on being able to flight and control wet shots. Most of them are still fantastic at it, don't get me wrong, but they never had to deal with a ball that would spin uncontrollably. That I mean, think, curve, about, yeah. think about that tour ballada and what that thing used to do. You know, it's it's a totally different golf ball than what the guys are playing now. So at the end of the day, uh, Tiger is a product of his environment, which forced him to control the golf ball and learn how to control that spin where the guys now don't have to be as precise in doing so. So for Tiger, it's probably more of a comfort feeling of having a golf ball that he's played for the majority of his lifetime versus the guys that grew up with only the pro V one and anything after that. 
you know, which exactly. and, and, and vice versa for Rory, who it, it, we we haven't seen until the 2000s and the teens and now in the 20s. Um, exactly to your to your your comments there. Rory hasn't has has played a, a has not played a wound ball. He's only played a solid core ball. So we all know that this this solid core ball, whether it's a, a TB five is a is a you know basically a five core ball of, of, of you know and and, and five, layer. five layer ball and and so forth. And you go to you know Titleist and Bridgestone, they all have a a solid core ball. It's not wound so to speak. So. All of these, all of these balls now that we make, none of them are wound anymore. It's not, it's not part of uh, of of the industry anymore. But that's what Rory is used to playing uh, for the last twenty years. So he's like, I, I don't really want to play a ball that's super spinny because I don't even know how to, I don't even know how to play it. He he didn't grow right. up doing that. He didn't he didn't grow up learning how to control and curve ball. And we we can we can see this. You know, uh, you know, it, it, anybody who's watching golf, you can see the older players. You know, it, I'd say the forty and over, older guys, uh, they they grew up playing wound balls. They they really can control the flight of their ball. It doesn't matter what it doesn't matter what ball you put in front of them. They know how to flight it low. They know how to curve it left and right. They know how to hit it high. You know, if you give them the right ball, they can hit every shot they want. Some of the younger generation players, um, you know, I'd say within the last 10, 15 years. They don't really understand that could only because, like you said, it's a product of their environment. They haven't been forced to 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 do that. And they're like, hey, I can hit my wedge and it flies straight from, you know, if I hit a pitching wedge from 140 and it's just going to fly straight. You know, it may spin too much. I'll have to control my spin, but it's not, I'm not having to worry about curve at all, um, which is completely different. You ask Nick Faldo and you ask uh, Ernie Els and Davis Love and these guys in the, you know, 80s and 90s, you know, and Curtis, you know, obviously earlier than that, you ask these guys how they control the ball. And it's a completely different game, completely different game. And the ball is, is, is the, is the, uh, the deciding factor. Well, you know, and we can all remember, and it was so fun to, to watch, quite frankly, see that ball land 10 feet behind the flag and just come ripping backwards. I mean, quite frankly, I thought it was exciting to see that kind of stuff, yeah. but it's a totally different thought process from the fairway now for the professionals you know especially if they had a short iron in their hand there they were looking three to five yards past the flag if they had the green space to allow for that ball to come back now guys are looking at either the true distance or three feet three yards short to allow for one skip and a jump depending on what iron they're hitting because what you see now with the golf ball is for the most part if unless you have you know a full lob wedge or something like that this golf ball takes a one hop and it kind of stops right there. In some of the yeah. guys' cases that are you know, the big towering ball hitters, a Scotty Scheffler, a Tiger Woods, they fly it more to the true yardage and it just yeah. lands from height and spin. It just lands. It doesn't really do a yeah, whole lot. Yeah, they use trajectory to stop it. That's exactly yeah. right. So it's a total different mindset of how to approach the golf shot and what yardage you're actually looking for to get close to that flag. Now guys are looking short or at the flag. They're not looking past the flag and bring it back anymore. I mean, when's the last time you saw a ball just rip back, even with a wedge for most of these guys? And, you know, we'll, we can kind of go, we can get super technical, which I I kind of actually want to hear you chime in McLean. But I think that's that's kind of a, a hold, and you kind of touched on it. That's a different uh, animal. In the last twenty years, you you've seen the guys who the towering ball, the uh, towering ball flight 
players like Tiger and, you know, you know, and you can name them, you know, Dustin Johnson, all these Rory, all these guys in the last 20 years, they stop the ball with the angle of descent. Now, and, right. and you can chime in like with the firmness of the ball, the ball stops because the angle of descent is basically straight down for, for majority of the iron shots. Comes down um, about 50 and, degrees. Exactly. And there's the spin is actually because they hit it so high, there's no spin. So the ball is actually took place to their advantage. Like they hit the ball super high and they have more control because the ball lands and hits and it stops exactly where, where they land it. Whereas in the past, you know, you have more of a low, low ball flight player who really compressed the ball with a wound ball, but they spun the shit out of it. And now that there's an added element of like how far past the hole do I hit it and how much spin am I going to have? Whereas now you take like a, you know, I, I go back to like a tiger in the late nineties, you know, um, where even when he was playing a wound ball, he's like, I'm just going to hit it so high that I hit it. I, I know exactly. I know my pitching wedge goes 140 yards. I mean, it's so high. The ball's coming straight down. It's because it's gone so high. It's lost all of its spin. It's just falling out of the sky. So it just hits and stops right where it, it stops right where it hits. Whereas someone else who hits a lower ball flight, and has a ton of spin on it. It hits and skips. And now you've got an added element of, uh, you know, how are you going to predict what that ball is going to do once it hits? Is it going to spin a lot? You know, again, that's that's one of those things that, like, we get to a point now, you see the guys who are playing really well, and they all do the same thing. It's all these guys who hit the ball super high, and they have the ball that, that hits and stops on the green. And I, granted, I know the ball has changed a little bit, but I think that was a big beneficiary, not only for how far Tiger hit it, but – it, it it certainly helped. Um, it certainly helped him with his iron game. It's like, hey, I, I know exactly where this ball's going to hit and it's going to stop, um, which is it totally kind of changed the game. And then obviously it came out with the the solid core ball, which even bene- benefited him even more. But yeah, I mean it's a it's it's just a different game, and you you know it separated a lot of players. There were a lot of yeah. guys that that you mentioned that were lower trajectory players that were able to still stop the golf ball with spin that when they went to that solid core ball had a, had trouble uh, making that conversion because they're not able to create the same that, amount that of spin. And if yeah. we were able to go back and really dig into some of the stats, I bet we could find a couple of guys that were pretty good players, but kind of dropped off with the movement to the solid core golf ball. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it is what it is. Um, yeah. We see guys now that benefit more from it. Yeah. But and, and it, I, and I don't think, not to, I'll let you finish the statement, but I don't think it's nothing against these players. I think everyone was, everyone likes to compare like a past generation to a, you know, a current generation. And, and I think you know, the, the best players are, are playing because they're, they're a product of, of the equipment that they're given. You know, we look at like Bobby Jones, like, Oh, what would Bobby Jones have done if he played in today's, in today's world? I'm pretty damn sure Bobby Jones would have freaking figured it out, you know, because he was a talented player and, and so forth all the way down the line, you know, so we, we, you would, we, you would adapt to the technology you have. You would adapt the best to the technology because, because they're good players and they not only good players, but they, they've got a sense of, they've got a sense of, uh, I, I, I want to, I want to characterize it the right way, but they know how to learn. Like these guys know how to learn and they know how to build on, um, past experience and they know how to fail and they know how to make it better. Like that's what the best players in the world know how to learn. 
Bobby Jones, one of the best learners. Uh, ben Hogan, the best learner. Obviously, we've we've heard the stories. Tiger Woods, one of the best learners. They know how to learn from their past experiences, and and you couple that with a you know great hand accordination, super talented guy. Here you here you go. These are the best golfers that you've ever seen. Um, the guys who you the guys who you look at, you're like, oh, he's an incredible athlete. Um, he's got you know so much skill, and why is he not why is he not made it to the top? He doesn't know how to learn. He doesn't know how to build off of his past experiences and get better and learn from his mistakes. I mean, I, I'm I'm dead set on that's the difference between the people that you see as the top players ever to play the game. They are the best learners. And you add in the fact that they're great. Uh, they, they, they're they great athletes. So the best athletes, if we've got a pool of 100 and you take and you, you start to uh, chisel that chisel that down to, you know, the top five. These are the best learners. Those those five guys are the best learners. You know, Jack Nicholas, Tiger Woods, Ben Hogan, Bobby Jones, you know, you name it. You know, you name these top five to ten guys. They, they're the best learners. Um, and that, that's why they succeed uh, more than anybody else. Not because they do something, you know, everyone always harped. No like, exactly. They harped on his, like his technique and like, Oh, that's yeah, exactly. You, you, you named it. Like there's no secret. The secret is the fact that he continually got better. That's what, that was the secret for Ben Hogan. I mean, cause you, I mean, his swing is beautiful. It's very athletic. It's very dynamic, but I wouldn't say that like, hey, this is the swing that you have to make to hit the ball great. I mean, Jesus, did you look at the yardages that came out recently? Did you see those stats? Somebody posted those stats of Ben Hogan's yardages. <laughs> oh, I'll pull it up. But he hit. He didn't hit it anywhere. Like his driver, he flew at two forty five. I mean, it's like the golf and, courses were also sixty two hundred yards. Yeah. I, I, again, I know, and and, and this is so it, we're talking sixty. 60 years ago. But yeah. I, I, again, my point is it wasn't like he was dominating the golf course with, with his golf swing. Um, he was just a great, he was just a, a, a product of, of hard work and, and, and the ability to learn from his, you know, his past mistakes to make his, his future uh, better. Uh, in my opinion, I, I think that, I mean, I, I, I don't, that's just not golf. I think that's just in, in general, anyone that you see that's successful, they, they know how to, they know how to adapt and learn from their past mistakes. And the better you are at that, the more successful you'll be. All right. I, I found his yardages. Yeah. Yeah. Read, read those off. That This is great. I, I had that and I'm sorry I didn't have it readily available, but I could count on Mike to have it, have it up. Sand wedge, 80 yards, pitching wedge, hundred yards, nine iron, 115, eight iron, 125, seven iron, 135. It goes every 10 yards, 45, 55, 65, 75, 85, 95, to his one iron and then 235 for his three wood 265 for his driver his actually his woods are longer than i would think yeah 260 i don't know if that's carrier what yeah it just says stock yeah, oranges yeah. whatever that means that one iron's probably today let me tell you what they three did or four iron. during his his time carry distance <laughs> there was no track man yeah. there on the yeah. on the t-boxes uh they were walking off those yardages but they had some we'll some say, kids standing out in the fairway. If it with hits a, you with a with a glove, with a glove, yeah. Jay, what I would say is that you know it, it's similar when you talk about the guys that are able to um, overcome different scenarios are the same guys that we see 
go over and play in the British Open, play in some of the European tour events and still be successful, knowing that they have to play a completely different game. Some guys adapt easier than others. Some guys have a little bit of trouble. You know, all of a sudden you're having to land the ball 10 to 15 yards short of your target versus three, three yards at max um, in the States. And that's where, you know, you kind of see talent separate itself with some guys because you've yeah. got to be able to adapt to different environments. You've got to be able to understand how to control your golf ball in different environments. And ultimately the best players are the ones that are able to continuously do that and to be successful in multiple facets uh, or in multiple you know, different sort of locations across the globe, different, yeah. different setups, different turf, different um, firmness. I mean, there, there's so many different variables that go into that, but ultimately the one thing that stands clear is that talent, and the cream always rises to the top. Yeah, yeah exactly. Real, real, real fast. I want to move on to another, another golf ball topic while we're on it. Yeah, uh, I, I did want to mention. So Rory, in his article, he mentioned, which is where we all started with this golf ball thing. Now that his, his I think part of it, too, for him is a little bit of a window, too. The golf ball is coming out of a more sure. consistent window with the spin. Not to mention what happens when it lands, but his ranking on the PGA tour from 125 yards and in was 207th going into the masters. Since then he's number one in the world, which has always been his holdup, right? The guy hits the ball a mile, he flushes it. But the biggest thing you could always say is, well, he's an okay putter and he was really bad with his wedges for how often he has it. And now he's doing that well. And What's Mikey? What's and I know I'm not putting you on the spot here, but what what's his ranking? What was his ranking prior to? I know you said you know what was the ranking prior to switching balls, and what is his ranking now? From like let's say a hundred, uh, you know, and I'll give you some time to pull it up, and we'll keep going. But you know, from say one one hundred to one twenty five, and one twenty five to one fifty, I know that's how they kind of separate that. But I'd be curious to see what what those rankings are since he's made that ball switch. Yeah. So I don't know um, how to break it down since the ball switch, but again, if this we is have a just time frame from, from the article, this is actually his quote. It was a direct quote of his um, from 125 yards and in he was two Oh seventh before the masters. And he's been first since that to know. me just confirms that it's a spin, uh, a spin. Even, even if he is lying and he's 50th, and he was one fiftieth. That's, I mean, it's still, still much a big better. jump. Yeah, still a big jump. You know, no question. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, again, back to that point. Like, I think it comes down to for for a good player, they want control. And for some players, and you you alluded to this earlier, uh, McLean. For some players, you know, spin spin can be your friend, but obviously. Um, too much spin can be your foe. Obviously, you don't want to spend the ball too much, but you have to find that that happy medium. So, for it sounds like for um, for uh, for Rory, he he wasn't a fan of too much spin, and he didn't know how to control it. So he he got that that sweet spot. So, um, and yeah, if he if he finds out, if he figures this out, and this this ball is the the thing, I mean, Jesus. I think he's figured oh. it out. Oh, and by the way, it sounds like he's figured it out, but I mean, good. Like I said, if he continues to play with this ball that he is comfortable with, with, with his wedges and he continues to hit his driver and his long irons. I mean, I mean, I hate to say this. We, we keep going down this path, 
It's a similar path over and over. We keep saying the same things. The best players in the world drive it the furthest. They drive it in play, and they're the best long-iron players, the best mid to long-iron players. And they can be average putters. They can be average wedge players. They can be average chippers. And Rory has been pretty average for that for the latter for a long time. But if he can somehow make himself one of the best wedge players and a decent putter, he's um, got to get hot at the right time at the putter. That's it. it, it like, it's all the, the, it's all about it, variance on the PGA Tour. Yeah. It's it's again, yeah. But if you go back and look at the stats of Tiger in, in the late nineties and the two thousands when he for the fifteen years that he just dominated everybody. He was, he was one of the top in every statistical category all the way through, which is why he won thirty five percent of every term, thirty five percent of the tournaments that he played in. Now, I, 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 again, I'm going back to uh, how the the link that that Rory hits it, and his ability to hit the ball super high, and super long. If he can hit his wedges even remotely close to how good Tiger hit him, and if he can put even half as good as Tiger hit him. Than uh, or his putts for, for the grand scheme of things, all across the board. I don't care if it's short putts, long putts. If he can just be half as good a putter as Tiger was uh, for that 15 year stretch, Rory's going to dominate. He's going to he's going to win a major a year for the next five years if he well, can. Well, so it. The, and that's so what Tiger. The other thing that came out recently in all these interviews that, that Rory has done with um, Paul Kimmage is Tiger started to help him with his wedge game too. Mm. So last year, leading into the Ryder, Ryder Cup, Tiger said to him, um, I guess they've gotten a lot closer since the accident. And Rory had went to his house a couple times to just spend time with him when he was laid up and just talk. And, and so their bond has strengthened a lot since Tiger's accident. Yeah. And Tiger reached out to him right before the Ryder Cup. And he said, hey, I'm not going to help you now. But after the Ryder Cup, let me know. Um, he goes... I, I've seen some things. I think I can help you. You should be winning three to four times a year. Yes. And so Tiger has started to help him a little bit. Actually, in his backyard, they just go over. He, Rory would go to Tiger's backyard. Of course. I mean, I mean hell, you can hit a seven. Hole. Yeah, you can <laughs> hit a seven iron, I think, is, is about the farthest you can hit, is what I've heard Tiger say years ago. But Rory's been over there messing around, hitting some wedges with Tiger. And I guess he came back to one event to Harry Diamond as caddy. And it's like, hey, watch this. Watch what I can do now. And it was just kind of hitting some different wedge shots. Um, so if he's got the golf ball figured out, he's got Tiger in his ear. Um, I'm telling you, Rory the Masters, this is the year. Put money he's in, on he's in one of the I'm calendar just, grand slam this year. I'm just telling everybody, just if you've got if you've got maybe $100,000 that you want to put down on, on, <laughs> on Rory to win the career grand slam, uh, in 2023, this is the year to do it. Mark yeah. my words. If you lose, um, then you we'll, can we'll give you, we'll give you an E9 hat. I'll give you an E9 hat, but, uh, no, I can't even get one of those. <laughs> <laughs> kind of true. It's, it's going to happen. Rory is going to win barring any weird <laughs> injury leading up to leading up, up to the <laughs> leading up to the, to the tournament. Rory's going to win the 2023, uh, uh, Augusta or uh, Masters. I I can't even fucking speak Look, right I, now. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so excited for Rory to win. I can't even can't even announce it. But he's gonna win. He's gonna win the Masters in 2023. I just want to know why I haven't been invited yet to work on my wedge game over there. I mean, proximity wise, I'm 15 minutes away. He could give me a quick call. I'd even respond to a text. 
an email, <laughs> anything, a letter. You can drive right by his house. I've been, we've driven right by it. It's like, it's yeah, not, it's very shit. unassuming. It's a very unassuming driveway. Now I know once you get behind the gates, it's a little bit more detailed than that, but yeah, you can see like eight feet of the driveway. Yeah, I know. But that's what I said. It's very unassuming <laughs> driveway. You know, I mean, my driveway is more extravagant than that. And I have nothing to offer. <laughs> I know. I want to ride by on boat soon. See what I can see from the water. I bet you it's all blocked off. I guarantee it is trees. I'm just going to, I'm just going to tie up and walk up there. Tie up to privacy. <laughs> you, yeah. You're not going to get this very up. far. <laughs> tiger, tiger. I brought my lob wedge. Let's work on this. Let's see what we got. Actually, like, what? The, Tiger, how do you use the bounce? Great. Show me how to use the bounce, Tiger. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, we've got a random guy on property hitting lob shots. He's, think, bo- he's think, currently boning wedges across your green, Tiger. I'm pretty sure that they would shoot you, and then you would just sink to the bottom of the sound, and then they, they would find a way to just get rid of your body. And they, mm-hmm. no one would ever hear about it. Just I'm, like that would We'd be from four co-hosts to three co-hosts to two co-hosts. Yeah. No one would ever hear from you again. <laughs> so if you don't show up next week, McLean, we know what happened. Yeah. We would do a memorial episode for you, though, McLean. The last communication was him FaceTiming us from Tiger's dock, never to be seen again. <laughs> There's been no body recovered, but they have declared McLean deceased. <laughs> He's done. He's done. It's over. Um. So, all right, real fast. I, I do want to get your take on this. So, at the Hero this past week, uh, they had received a ton of rain leading into it. There was standing water in a couple of the bunkers on Thursdays and Friday. They were playing lift clean in place. And then Saturday, they made the guys play it down. And I guess they were all pissed because they were still collecting mud on their golf balls. And the players bitched and whatever. That's what players do. Right, Jay? Do you think they, Tiger they, they and Blue that moan. decision? What, 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 what would you say to me? I mean, I'm, <laughs> what would I bitch? Because you're a former player, and that's what players do. They bitch. <laughs> Fair. They, they bitch <laughs> about the, the organizers. They can't set up a golf tournament. The players always know best. So, But does that uh, sound you got like right. Tiger is sitting over there is like, make him play it fucking down? I think I absolutely think he did. 100%. So I, I want your take, though, on a, on a legit topic for anyone listening. When you get a mud ball, do you guys do anything different? Do you just guess on where it's going to go? Do you try to hit a different kind of shot? In all honesty, kind of, or you just swing away and try to get lucky? No, I, I mean, it's, I'm sure everyone has heard this, but whatever side the, the mud is on, the ball is going to curve to the opposite side. So if you've got mud on the right, the ball will curve to the left, um, or vice versa, mud on the left, ball curves to the right. But the problem, the problem lies is, um, there's no way to determine the, and now we're getting real. We're getting really, we're, we're dissecting this a lot. Like what type of mud? Is it a real wet mud when, where the mud flies off as soon as, as soon as you make contact, or is it kind of a clumpy dry mud where it stays on the ball? How long has it been sitting there? I mean, I know this sounds crazy, but it makes a huge difference like if I, if it's in the middle if it's in the middle of a rainstorm I've got mud on my ball I know that it's super soft and that it doesn't matter I can go ahead and make contact I don't care where the mud is on the ball it's going to fly off as soon as I make contact cuz it's soft and it's wet but if it's the day after in this circumstance 
it's just wet enough to create some mud and to stick on the ball. And now you've got a, a good three to four minutes, five minutes between when we get from the tee to the where we uh, get to the ball in the fairway. Now it's dried a little bit. It's kind of connected to the ball. Uh, and now it stays on a little longer. That affects the flight tremendously. Uh, tremendously. And I, again, I'm, I'm diving into McLean's territory here, but I'm just speaking from a player standpoint, when we, when we play and the, and the, and it's a, the day after rain and they don't play the ball up, that's problem. That's a problem. If you play the ball, if you play the ball, the tournament, tournament organizer is going to hear about it. Yeah. The tournament organizer is going to get a earful from the players because it's almost better to play the ball down during the rain because the more rain it's like the there's no mud there's no there's no mud balls it's not a thing like by the time you make contact with the ball the, the mud flies off it's the day after when it's everything is soggy but it's not raining it's just it's just wet enough to where it sticks to the ball stays in the ball the day after is the time i mean these guys should freaking know that i mean they've been doing this for a long damn time. They know it's the day after. Everybody knows it's the day after that plays. Everybody. I mean, this is obvious. I mean, I'm getting fired up because Jay, now you're bringing, back, you're bringing back juices like when I was playing, like going back to my to, to, to my tournament directors. I'm like, why, why are we playing the ball down? You know that we should be playing the ball up. You pampered. <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, this bullshit because now you're bringing in, you're bringing in luck. Like, hey, we you want the best player to win, right? Do you want the do you want the guy who who gets less? Best players can ball? adapt. Best players can adapt. What I will say though, from a, from a technical perspective, is that we know that mud on the golf ball influences the spin of the golf ball, which influences the direction of the golf ball. So, from a player's perspective, the best way in my eyes to combat mud on your golf ball is to take an extra club, take some off of it, and reduce the amount of spin that you're applying to that golf ball overall. And that will ultimately reduce the effect that the mud has on the golf ball, especially if you have mud that does, like Jay said, stick on that golf ball and you know it's not coming off. You know it's going to affect the spin of that golf ball. So yep. whether it's going left, right, low, or high, you want to try to reduce the variables to the best of your ability to ultimately uh, remain in control of that golf ball. So much as you can. If I'm in there hitting a, if it's a perfect eight iron distance, I'm going to take a, net, a seven iron and try to flight it and just try to hit it a little bit softer and ultimately try to reduce the overall spin that I'm going to apply to the golf ball because that will help um, to reduce the amount of effect that that mud has on it. I mean, this is the spin podcast here right now. I mean, we're talking about spin so yeah. much it's not even fun. Oh, but this is this is good. This is good shit. Like anybody listening right now, you're talking, you're not talking to, you're listening to this. I'm not gonna call you the spin doctor because that's like way over the top. Uh, <laughs> but you're talking to great band. Clean knows how the ball reacts from he's I don't know how many freaking fittings and and you've done and and even Mike you've done quite a few and I I'm I haven't done any fittings hardly I just know how the ball flies when I hit it so but you're talking to you know three people that know how the ball should fly whether it's from visual from uh or it's from looking at a track man but it, it i don't well, it also know it has you, to do with experience of being out yeah. of the course and seeing it you know it, yeah. as much as you know we rely on track man data especially in my field and and what i've seen over the years a lot of it comes from in the trenches you know i'll be honest with you 
we don't hit mud balls during fittings. Yeah. Not no, you're right. No. And that's, um, you hit the nail on the head though. When you talked about um, my experience, anytime we were playing in a, in a, in a mud, mud situation or, uh, it was rainy or it was, uh, the fairways we were playing it down and we didn't have the opportunity to, to lift clean the place. We always, it was always take one more club, hit it, hit it easier, hit it softer, swing slower, take, and put less spin on the golf ball because the more spin we put on the golf ball with mud on it, the further it's going to freaking fly offline. The less so, control you have ultimately. Exactly. So I'm, we o- always- I'm okay with even guys taking two more clubs and really just kind of. Yeah. Chipping it almost. Chipping it just Absolutely. to just to keep the ball from flying too far offline. Because in all honesty, this is back to your main point, Mike, about why I think the the PJ Tour not playing the ball up was such a bad move. There's there's no way to determine how much mud is going to stay on a ball, or if one player has more mud, it's it, we're, we're getting too finite in terms of the predictability. So I think it, it, then it relies on luck of the draw. Like, Hey, I had a huge clump that actually flew off. I had a huge clump that stayed on. I don't think, I don't think we're at the position. Uh, these players are good enough to be able to determine that. I don't think anybody is. Um, so I think when, when, when we're talking about mud on the golf ball, Play the ball up, clean the ball off. Let's let's play what we can. But when 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 we're factoring in mud on the golf ball, now it's a luck factor. In my opinion, I don't think it's not a skill thing. Like I understand that where you guys are going. Like okay, you know, hey, balls on the left, it's it flies right. You know, mud on the right, ball goes left. But to what degree? Like how much mud? You know, and there's no way to predict that. And I mean, I get, a- I, I get it. I'm giving you a hard time of being the the, the former player that complains because that's what players do. But there is part of me that just also like that, just the the northern asshole, mass hole in me that just like, well, it's an outdoor sport. Adjust. Like you get in other sports where you're playing in baseball and it's a wet surface and you don't know if that ball's going to bounce or skip off you if you're an infielder and. Well, how many times do they cancel a baseball game when they get a fucking sprinkle? A lot. Uh, they do, yeah, a, a lot. lot. But I don't know. A it's lot. Not, but it's how not much? How, score, how but. often do they play golf in the rain? Way more than they play baseball in the rain. So I, I, again, yeah, when when it comes down to the predictability of the golf ball and how it how rain and weather and mud affect a golf ball and how it flies, I think now you're relying on luck more so than skill and i think that's where you draw the line and, and, I, and i'm all about like i agree like adjust but like hey I, I, if there's like, a way to determine how much mud can stay on a ball and how if we can get that that granular and look and be like oh this this type of mud in this area of the country stays on the ball longer like we don't want to do that you know, we're not in we're not in <laughs> we're not in, in in the position to where players are going to dive into how much mud is going to stay on the ball. Like, hey, let's eliminate that. Let's just say, hey, you know what? Pick it up, clean it. Let's keep it keep it clean. And and, and we know we don't have, any, have to deal with uh, that added variable. That's a unpredictable variable. Um, you know, th- well, there's so certain things that we can c- control and in, in golf. And, uh, and the only reason I. The only reason There's I say one. it like that, because the, the perfect example was on Saturday. Uh, Cam Young was in the lead. I forget. I want to say it was the 11th hole, par five. He decides he's got mud ball. He decides, hey, I'm going to go for this. And he's ripping at it with a three wood or hybrid or whatever. 
and the ball flies way off line into the shit. He loses it. Made it actually a great bogey on the hole. Well, a group or two later, Xander Shoffley's in the final group on Saturday with uh, Hovland. He's got a mud ball. He makes the decision to chip it down the fairway, essentially. He laid up. He hit down. I don't know what he hit. I can't remember if it was a seven iron or whatever it was. He was just like, hey, the risk is not there to hit this shot with a mud ball because it could go into the off the fairway into the crap and it's gone forever. And he chips it, lays up, hits it to whatever, eight feet, makes a putt for birdie. And it just like a two-stroke difference there could almost been a three-stroke difference just because of a decision of how do I react to that. Sure. So I, I think that's that plays into it as well a little bit. No, 100%. I, I agree with you. I mean, that that's the decision that a, a player will have to make, you know, when they're forced with to, you know, how much mud is going to affect this ball. But again, I think... In my opinion, if the ball's in the fairway, if you hit a good drive, and I don't want to, I don't want players to have to determine how much mud is on the ball and how much mud will stay on the ball. I, I think the, the the best way to to describe it is I think the the penalty is way greater than than the thought process in terms of what goes into it. So, like it, we can make a decision on where we think this ball is going to go based on how much mud's on it, but we could have no idea. And the ball could go 50, 60, 70 yards either way. Um, based yeah, because I get it, that. It's, it's just so unpredictable. So I, I, from my perspective, the, the predictability of it, it's like, Hey, you know what? Let's just, let's keep it a little bit even uh, a little bit more even and let's keep it cleaner and let's, but I do, I do understand where you're saying like, Hey, you have to adjust. And if there's mud on the ball, you know, chip it down the fairway. And, but again, if you hit a good drive down the middle of the fairway, um, and again, I, you know, you know, people are going to say, Oh, what if you hit it in a divot? You know, I, you know, that's all opens up a whole nother, you know, can, yeah, that's of worms, a whole different but, can of worms. Yeah. But you know, if you hit it down the middle of the fairway and, 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 and it's not raining and it rained yesterday and now you've got a clump of mud on your ball and you've got into the, into the uh, the golf tournament and you've got uh you know 210 yards and you're gonna hit a four iron into the green and you're like hey man i can't go for the green with an iron because i'm worried about the ball you know going crazy i'm gonna chip it down the fairway like you know uh, one who does that benefit does that that doesn't benefit the player it doesn't benefit the the other players it doesn't benefit the fans you know nobody wants to see a, a guy hit a shot like that when he's got a chance to win a golf tournament. I don't want to watch that. Like, yeah, clean it off. Let's see what you got. You know? Yeah. 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 No, I'm just, well, I'm just kidding. Shit. You know, you know, we're, we're yeah, professional golfers. They're all professional fucking, golfers. It's always somebody needy. else's fault. We're needy. Well, we got to keep, our, we got to keep our confidence up. You know, we got to blame it on somebody else that keeps us motivated so, to come back. So fragile. Well, but yeah, you know, it is looking what it at is, it, you know? looking at it I'm both not, ways. So I'm going to deny it. I'm not going to deny it. Hey, a bad break is a part of golf. That's the rub of the green. So in certain instances, when you play it down in poor conditions, the entire field has to play in those same conditions. Are there going to be a couple of bad breaks or some guys going to have more mud than others is a guy that flights it incredibly high going to have more mud than a guy that flights it low without question. However, they both have to adapt, but I also do agree from the backside of that, that playing it up in certain scenarios, evens the playing field a little bit, it, it, it removes some variability out of it. And you, you're able to get, uh, 
the best out of the players more. You, you remove a an uncontrolled variable. But uh, and, and Justin, I, I also look at it from both sides, and I would argue that 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 it is not necessarily in line with what makes our sport great. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I as you mentioned before, I mean, Jay, we play in rain probably more than any other sport. Any, out there. any other sport, yeah. And that no, is I, a part of the game, especially at a high level. I know I hate moments. playing in rain. Absolutely you know, hate playing. Everybody does because it's it uncomfortable. Miserable. Everybody, you, you you go down the list. Everyone wants to play. You're like, hey, I'm a fair weather golfer. Yeah, of course you are because. It's fun to play golf when it's 75 and sunny and no wind. Yeah, we, we, let's go to Arizona and and you know November. That sounds great. I'll do that. Yeah, when um, Jack but, said he would count guys out that don't like it, I'm on that list. <laughs> yeah, it, you're right. I mean, exactly because they they just like, hey, I'm not into it. You know, I don't like I don't like anything that's outside of uh, nice weather. I don't like wind. I don't like rain. You're like, I don't want to do this. So you can, yeah, yeah you're right. You can count those guys out. But I think to to your point, that's what makes the, that's the added element of golf that makes it fun. I mean, again, we're not, uh, we're not football. We're not basketball. We're not, we're not pushing the athleticism to the, uh, to the, to the edge, you know, a, a granite, it's, it's a, it's more of a skill set sport and it's a mental driven sport. And, and we, I'm not going to sit here and, and, and try to say that it's the best sport, but I, I think it's the most challenging sport. I've played all of them, you know, at a high level. And I think, you know, you know, football players, basketball players, baseball players, you know, they all, they all now after they retire, they play golf and they say this game is so hard. It blows, blows my mind because it challenges you, challenges you on all levels. You know, it, it, it pushes you not just from an athletic from an athletic standpoint, but it challenges you from a mental standpoint. Like, how can I, how can I beat myself? You know, that's what's, that's, what's incredible about the, about this game that, that I think that's what keeps people coming back. It's like, wow, like I'm, I, I suck. I thought I thought I was a good athlete. And then you come out and you go play golf. I mean, look at Michael Jordan. I mean, this guy. And I, I mean, I'm, I just want to, we talked about Michael a couple of weeks ago when we talked about Ben beach and Sam beach and Blake beach going out with Verlander and playing at Grove 23. And I mean, he shot 76 at his home golf course, which I mean, it's pretty incredible. I mean, this guy's 50 some years old and played double A baseball and probably could have played triple A baseball if he really wanted to continue to do it. We started I, think, I think honestly, I mean, obviously we talk about Deion Sanders, Bo Jackson, the greatest athletes of all time. And they, they, they kind of go back and forth with their little feud, but you give Michael Jordan enough time. Again, we talk. We talked about that earlier in the pod. Like these, the guys who are the ultra competitors, they, they know how to learn. They know how to get better. And like, I feel like you give Michael Jordan enough time, he would have figured out in his prime and an athletic state, he would have figured out how to do it. And he would have figured out how to get to a triple A level, if not maybe just touched into a, a major league level, just because of how you know a gritty he was and grit. You know, he just the perseverance. But, um. You know, I I don't know. It's just, it's kind of crazy to see, um, you know, how, how, how difficult this golf game, this game is and how we, we criticize it over and over, but it's, it's hard to shit. (laughs) I don't know why we play it. Going back to an old podcast we had with Curtis, one of the things he said is that, you know, we've been consistently just waiting for that dominant physical figure and the tough part for 
someone who could be potentially six, seven, six, eight, is that he's got football and basketball leaning in on him saying that, look, this is, this is primed for you. And he's got to choose to stick with golf throughout and develop that touch around the greens, develop, yeah. you know, the control with your irons. There's way more facets to it. Yeah. 100%. 100%. So much more. Well, and, and as we've seen, you know, speed, while it is fantastic to have, um, if it's not it's controlled, it's very, portion. very difficult to play successful golf. Yeah. That's why we shouldn't that's say why it's a small portion. That. It's a big portion now. It. It's a big portion. But if you want to be a if you want to be a dominant force, you've got to be able to obviously be able to do it all. I mean, we, we're sitting here criticizing Rory McIlroy and his wedge game. If you were to bring Rory McIlroy out and hit wedges in front of anybody, <laughs> he would be the best wedge player that you've ever freaking seen. You know, every part of his game would be the best that you've ever seen for, for, for the to the naked eye. You know, we're all comparing him to the other best players in the world. Um, again, you know, you, you watch, you watch a guy like that play. I mean, we, we know he's the best driver of the golf ball, the best long arm player. I mean, this is on the planet. Like he's the best at the, at that skill on the planet. And, and we are, we're saying that, Hey, if he were, um, if he were uh top 50 in the world in, in his wedge game and his putting, but to the naked eye, like nobody, we can't, no one can tell the difference because it, we're talking like a half a stroke, you know, like strokes gain, like, oh, you're, you're a half of your 0.73 strokes better, you know, than, or, or worse than the next guy. Like the people can't see that. Like they watch him hit a ball, you know, from 125 yards. And like, that, that's the best thing I've ever seen. The best yeah. thing I've ever seen Be- because he's so talented, but it's, it's just hard for people to conceptualize that. And, and you know, again, we, we were, we're ultra cr- uh, critical on Rory just because of what we think he is capable of doing. And, and we're, we're comparing him to himself and we're comparing him to tiger. We're comparing him to, to Jack. I mean, all not really to Jack in terms of stats, but maybe, you know, just wins and majors and stuff like that. But um, I don't know. I, I, I again, I know we've kind of gone down a little bit of a rabbit hole here, but again, I'm going to say it again. Rory 2023 Masters champion. It's going to put your money on him. Was... Put your money on him. It's going to happen. I did win this week in DraftKings and I told you guys I was going to win. Um and every time I've told you I was going to win, we I did win. I, and Rory's going to win the Masters. Challenge. <laughs> Challenge, 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 and if anyone wants to accept it, you can accept it. But Rory's going to win. I'm going to put. I'm going to put some cash on Rory to win, win the Masters in 2023. I don't know how much. I don't know if I want to say that online or in this pod. It took us happen. like six, 60 minutes for Jay to come full circle on Rory's winning the Masters, and now we're back to Rory's winning the Masters. Yep, so I'm full just 60 minutes. All right, yep. all right. Real quick though, right. just to go we, back to one point. There's never been a dominant athlete in any sport that power wasn't uh, um, a factor. Yeah, no, I agree. It's the only I thing mean, I was going to say because I, I'm I'm with you hitting wedges, Tom, Tom Brady driving the ball accurate. That's tell me, Tom Brady um, was powerful. I I, well, I, I don't think he was. I would, I would, yeah, I would argue that he was. I mean, Tom Brady in his heyday had one of the strongest arms of anybody, and I would say a blend of of, of strength and accuracy. Like, but that's that's he, what that's where he you throw get the it. Rare, the but that's not what made him good, though. That was number ten in those top ten. 
Well, I don't know. Accuracy, I think, would be a big no, part a- of Yeah, it, accuracy, speed yes. Speed and accuracy. It's speed and accuracy. The same thing that Tiger Woods brought to the game. You oh, what said you, power. I, you said power. I think what, I think what you're saying but is power that, is a part that, of the equation every time. That's all I'm saying. Every time. For the most dominant figures in basketball, baseball, football, hockey, golf, soccer, the most powerful guys have the most control, or I should say the better way of saying it is that power is always a factor. The ones that rise to the top, the ones that are the absolute elite level are the powerful guys that also are able to maintain control of what they're doing. In Tiger's Tiger's, uh, realm, it's his control around the green and his putting combined with the fact that he drove the ball longer than anyone at the time when he was his most dominant. Name the top five five players in in all the power five, uh, let's say power three, but, but we can say power five sports so we include golf. Go. We're not going down this rabbit hole right now. Yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's, let's go. do it real quick. Jordan, I'll give you my top five real Jordan, quick. We won't take any time at all. Baseball, Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth, number one. Babe no. Ruth. No one. No one Babe is more Ruth. prominent, more powerful than Babe Ruth. Okay. Baseball. It's not even close. He's the best baseball player that ever lived. Football. Tom Brady. And the reason he's powerful is because he was a powerful, I'd say powerful mind, powerful brain, but also had a powerful arm. Well, now we're no, not no, 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 powerful arm. He, was powerful. he had a powerful and arm, but he was still, able to combine it with accuracy. He was able to combine it with Basketball, Michael Jordan, it's not even close. Powerful. He could jump from the free throw line. He's powerful. He's an intense dude. It's not even close. And hockey, ah. Wayne Gretzky would be is the guy. I mean, I guess you could say he's powerful. You guys are the hockey guys. Well, I'm not necessarily saying that we have to look at just the top one. All I'm saying is that when you look at the top guys out there, like a Mike Trout, for example, in baseball, the guy's an absolute animal, animal, absolute animal. Yeah. Um, We're not getting down this rabbit hole. We're not going down this rabbit hole right now. Well, so you're basically saying that the people that I said are correct. No, I'm really not. I just don't feel like arguing with you. Are you arguing gonna be, Jordan? It's going to be 45 minutes. Right. Are you arguing Babe Ruth, Tom Brady, Michael Jordan? Now I'm just trying to get further down the rabbit hole for no reason. I'm just, just provoking. We can set this up for another podcast. Are you really arguing Babe Ruth, Tom Brady, and Michael Jordan? And no, Wayne Gretzky? Not, I, well, it's easy to just spout off the... These the, are the best. These I didn't the say. I did not say they weren't the best. I'm questioning how much... Well, I am questioning Babe Ruth. I'm questioning how much power a couple of the guys had that made them who they are. I'm not saying they didn't have power, but if you ask people what made Tom Brady, Tom Brady, his arm strength is like last on the list. I'm I'm not not, saying it was a bad arm strength, but that's not what made him good. It had no equation to what made him good. Well, look, I'm not necessarily saying hundred percent. That's not, that's not correct. I think what made Tom Brady good or great one, yes, he was a uh, a super high ultra competitor, but he can throw the damn football. Like we've talked about, it, you know, you know your sport. Like if you're a quarterback, you've got to be able to throw the damn football to your receiver. And if you pl- if you're a receiver, you need to be able to catch the ball. And Tom Brady can throw the damn football. I'm not saying he and, can't throw the damn football. He's the best of all time. I know he can look, throw the football. Look, look, getting yeah. getting off of Tom Brady yeah. for one second. All I was saying is that size and power are a factor in every major sport. And where you see, like, look at football, size and power helps. Baseball, size and power helps. Golf, same thing. We could keep on going. It is a benefactor. And what yeah, you I see, agree. I agree yeah. with that, McLean. That's all I, I agree with about. what you're saying. That's all I was some saying. of Jay's points I do not agree with. 
and well, we need I'd to, ch- love we need to, to hear what the, what how we you need to change this rabbit hole. This this conversation started about a mud ball. That's how I it started. This, I think this is awesome. Do you think Bubba Watson I, I was yelling at the TV? Mud ball, mud ball, mud ball. I would love to hear why you think Babe Ruth is not the greatest baseball player of all time. Because he played against plumbers and firefighters, and he absolutely <laughs> annihilated them. Like if you if you go back and look at the stats of how much better he was than the field compared to what even Aaron Judge did today. Babe is Ruth Aaron was, Judge big and powerful? I forget. He is big and powerful. He is. I do like Aaron Judge. But yeah. Babe Ruth was so far above and beyond the, the rest of the, the players in, in the MLB when he played. It's not even close. Like, no one has dominated the way Babe Ruth dominated. Not even close. Go back and look at the stats. I'll let you figure it out. Yeah, because he was playing against firefighters and plumbers. That's, That's why fine. he dominated. That's fine. I mean, like we he said. He also like, smoked cigars during the game. Yeah, he drank bourbon and smoked cigars, and he still was that good. Like, I mean, I can't. Hey, if, if that's what, if you're that good and you can smoke cigars and drink bourbon while you play uh, and hit 16 home uh, runs, then you're, you're, this awesome. is the golf podcast that we're like an hour and a half into. We're not debating the merits of, of Babe Ruth's career. Someone pull the stats. No, <laughs> I'm not pulling the stats. Pull the stats. Don't make yeah. me dance. Let's go. <laughs> and, but mainly because you hate the Yankees. That's why. No, actually, it has nothing to do with my hate for hatred for the Yankees, but. You do hate the Yankees. Um, yeah, that's a fact. Yes, I will not agree, not disagree with you there. Yes, I do hate the Yankees and that swastika that they wear on their hat. Wow. Um, wow. Kind of looks like a swastika. He's kind of squint to the side. Looks pretty close. I can have no part of this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we don't have any picks this week. We're moving on. No picks this week. We do have the QBE shootout. The two-person event, there's a few uh, LPJ players. The only reason I bring that up is next year they have announced they're doing a mixed event. So two-player teams, one PJ Tour player, one LPJ Tour player. I think that'll be cool to see next year. That should be fun. I do. Um, I'm excited about that. We do have on Saturday. I didn't realize. It was, I thought it was Sunday. Yeah, On Saturday, we have the match, the newest iteration of the match at the Pelican in, correct me if I'm wrong, Tampa? Ish in Tampa. Outside of Tampa. Ish. Um Rory and Tiger versus versus Jordan and uh JT. Uh you guys looking forward to it? You're gonna watch it. What are your thoughts on this whole match? Real fast. Let's just make this real fast. We're gonna wrap this up. I still want to see the Babe Ruth stats. <laughs> <laughs> Jay's I guarantee you Jay's looking them up right now. <laughs> no, I am excited I have, to see I'll it. have some firepower right now because I'm Mikey. I, uh, once you pull these up, you're going to see I know, how I've incredibly well. Here we go. Here we go. Hey, hey, I'm not going to go down that. I ignited hey. it. I love it. I'm, I'm not right, going so down there. On to the I'm match, though. There. To the match. We're all excited to watch it because it's Tiger. You know, at this point, it's, it's such a rare uh, feat to even watch the guy hit a golf ball that, you know, you're going to be a fan for that reason. Am I Ooh. intrigued for the actual match itself? You know, so far, these have been have, have left a lot to be desired, quite frankly. Um, it would be nice if they figured out and, and you know, I guess we'll see tomorrow, but it, it seems to me that it would benefit from having some sort of different format that just kind of changed up the viewership, changed up what we're watching to really differentiate itself from just watching four guys go tee it up. You know, I like hearing some of the banter back and forth. They're always more relaxed in these formats, which is nice. Um, but it, it's, it's tough. I'm excited to see 
Jordan and um, Justin get any time together playing in a team. I know they play together a lot as it is, but when you're playing in a team format and you actually are forced to um, adhere everything to the rules, which they will have to during the match, like they would in any other team format, you know, they're probably our best American duo right now when it comes to Ryder cup and president's cup matches. So anytime we can see them team up, you know, it's going to be entertaining from us, I think from the golf standpoint, but it also gives them a little bit of an experience um, to be able to look back on when they get in other um, situations where they're in that same team format. Yeah. So my- format one more time, it'd be great. And to try to insert <laughs> format like another time. My take on it is I'm more excited for this than I have been probably since the first one. I'm not to say that I'm like planning my weekend around it. You know, I do like the fact that it's four guys. One, they're they're like four of my top five favorite golfers on the planet. So that helps. Um, you're you're so loving this right now. You're loving Jordan Speed, Justin Thomas. Like, hey, just hey, just go go back to watching your black and white highlights of Babe Ruth over there. <laughs> it is great. Um, There's no doubting that it is nice to see that they have literally four of the top five players on earth. Yeah, it's it's yeah. four actually the, the top four guys from the pip, right? So basically the top four biggest names in golf yeah. at this very moment are playing each other. They're four like pretty close friends, good buddies. So the banter is going to be a little bit more authentic. It's not going to yeah. be like forced. You don't have the cringeworthy Bryson or Phil shit. We don't have to listen to Phil Mickelson, which is great. Like you don't, anything you don't without have Phil these, is awesome. These quarterbacks or these other athletes who are trying to forcing to be funny and none of them are really friends. They just, you know, kind of quasi know each other. I don't know. So I, I do think it has a chance to be fun. I don't think it's going to be like, no one's going to be like, Oh my God, did you see the match on Saturday? I don't think it's going to be that good, but yeah. you know, I, I, I think this is I, honestly, I th- you're, you're to your point, Mikey, I think this is, you're exactly right. Like these, the, all of these guys know each other and they're really good friends. I mean, you've got Rory, Justin, uh, Jordan speed, tiger. They all, I mean, I don't know how close, Jordan and Tiger are, but close enough with the other. Yeah, two close guys. enough. And they went out. They played. Um, there was footage of them playing in Ireland this past summer. Yeah. They played Lahinch together. Yeah, so so close enough to where they they're comfortable, like give you know giving each other shit, which is what people want to hear. People want to hear like give. People want to watch another player give Tiger some shit, authentic shit, like because that doesn't happen. Like we've never heard that. Like we want to hear something a little different. We want to hear the banter back and forth. Like I don't want to hear the uh, the 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 pre-described or the uh, or the pre um, you know the pre-scripted you know Phil Mickelson. Like that makes me want to throw up. Like you know I don't want to hear that. Like I want to hear you know these guys like get after it and like talk shit and i know justin thomas will will give it and they're not on the, him and tiger are not on the same team which is great perfect i think that's perfect for for the viewership to watch these guys kind of go after it and hopefully they keep their the language together enough to where we can i i would love for them to you know it could be x rated that'd be fun but for 
for the grand scheme of things for, to make sure the viewership is up. Obviously, I hope they keep it kind of somewhat cordial to where they don't have to bleep everything out because those guys kind of get after it. But um, I do, like you said, I do think they're close enough. All these guys are close enough to where I think they can give each other some shit and it, it could be fun to watch. And I think this is their last chance to make this whole match thing work. If if it doesn't work with this group, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Yeah, you're right. If they can't, yeah. if they can't make it work with these four guys, like these are the most, in my opinion, these are the four most prominent players in in the in the world that people like to watch. I mean, you're talking about Rory. Everybody loves uh, and J- Jordan Spieth in America. Everybody loves Jordan Tiger. Obviously, enough to be said for that. And then. Um, Justin Thomas, you know, some people love him. I don't know why, but it's fine. But, you know, it is what it is. But he, he, people do like him in America. So here we've got the best. And it's it's going to be, it's going to be like a most of it. I'm trying to find the details. Most of it's going to be basically at night under the lights. They're, they're only playing, cool. they're only playing Different. 12 holes. So showing it at night. At first, I was like, why are they doing it on a Saturday? But I guess they just don't want to compete with NFL football on Sunday. I don't blame them. Um, and so there's no college football on Saturday, so it's probably a good spot there. So I don't know. We'll see. I, I'm, I'm interested in it. I'm going to tune in and watch. I don't think it's gonna be the greatest thing in the world. I do think it will be better than most of the ones that they've had. Yep. So, but I don't know. That's it. That's all I got. Uh, who the only way I think it, I, the only way I think it gets more viewership and a wider viewership to where it really becomes successful, even outside of just the, the golf world is you have to pair it with someone with a massive personality and someone who's an awful golfer who's also a massive personality, and you get basically turn it into reality TV. Yeah. You've got to find something like, to work. You get Christian out of Ronaldo or, or, or Messi could be on there. awful at golf yeah. playing with someone else, but they have great banter, and you've got the tour pro giving them crap the whole time. Like take a John Daly and just let him just rip into guys the whole time and just turn it into a reality TV shit show. That's the only if way Michael, if Michael Jordan did this, he would never, he would never because yeah. he's smarter than that because his brand is, is exactly so right. valuable. But if he said, you know what, I'll do it. You think of the viewership, people are like, Oh, Michael Jordan. I get to watch Michael Jordan hit every single golf shot for 12 holes or 18 holes. I, I would watch but that. Even after, after he an hour or so of quiet golf, it gets boring. No matter who it, it is, it, it does. It's get all boring. about that, turning. Like I said, it, You've got to turn it into a Bravo show. I mean, it yeah. needs to just be that train wreck of reality TV that everyone can't get enough of to where you could just say, did you see that crap? You know what yeah. I mean? Did you yeah. see that? Shit? No, you're, you're right. You're right. I, Otherwise, I it just gets stagnant. I do think Michael Jordan no, would, would do that because he is, he. you talk about uh, He has no benefit to doing that. I he's got no I, benefit, but if he decided to do it, it would be super entertaining because he is like over the top when he's playing with people and just giving shit and just ribbing people. But like, again, this is, if we're going to put this on national TV, they're going to have to bleep every, every other. Every no, you other force player. them to play alternate shot with someone who's awful. And I want to see Daly rip into someone who tops it two and a half feet. And Daly's got to then hit a three wood off the deck and he just rips into him while he's ripping a dart and drinking at the same time. Yeah, that's, that's reality great. TV. That, that's that's something I could tune into. Let's have them play five holes and we make it a 45 minute event and we we knock this out quickly. It's not something yeah. that drags it out. So I, I think have. That, yeah, go for it. No, I, have, I agree. I have no interest in watching other athletes play golf. 
No, it's like, not about the golf. Zero. That's the whole thing. It's not about the like golf. I, if Michael Jordan played in this, I would not excite me one bit. And I kind of like watching it because I like to hear like I like to see them struggle at something that that you know because there's su- there's there's such fine tuned athletes. I like to see them like not be the ultra athlete at another sport. It's like, oh, you know what? Hey, this game's hard. You know, you think you, you think you yeah. can do anything. It's, it's not kind of fun sh- to watch showing me or telling me anything I don't already know. Yeah. Well, you know, I, mean, I want to watch good golf. I want to watch Michael Jordan play basketball. Sure. But, but if you want to watch good golf, tune into the PGA tour. Like this is not about good golf. This is about like, this is a show, you know? Sure. I, okay. Yeah. That's fair. Let's enough. put on a show. And I, honestly, I think it should be, it should be two great golfers and an actor who can like two actors who can supplement the whole thing, like a comedian. Like, I don't know. Some yeah. to and make I it watch and play the whole way around. Yeah. Just exactly. I want to see the struggle. I want to see yeah. the tour pro just drop his head when he tops it, you know, and three and a half right. feet. Hit it from the hit it from the brush, yeah. bro. Hit these it, guys are your, these guys are both putting for eight. <laughs> It's your yeah, three we're get, on this 380 yard par four that your your partner just left you with a, a 290 yard uh, shot in. Yeah, so now we're gonna get Rob Riggle out there. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Hey Jay, you got those uh, Babe Ruth stats up yet? All right, and if uh, we always appreciate our <laughs> listeners tuning in and subscribing, look those Babe Ruth stats. <laughs> look those Babe Ruth stats up. Everyone's gonna be amazed at how incredible this this guy. The, I think he's the greatest athlete of all time. And then check out the rates that the pitcher was was offering on his insurance uh, before the game. <laughs> oh, we don't know those rates. We don't know those rates. It's <laughs> funny. Should have saw his used car sales, and then he uh, hey, you, you know a, what, Mikey, the hanging curve up. Babe Ruth did. Pay, he did play for the Red Sox. So just at he one did. point. I, I know. Just I nothing, it has nothing to do with it. He could have played his whole career with the Red Sox. <laughs> It's it was a long and just, fucking and time just ago. to clear it up. I'm a fan of the Yankees logo just to clear it all up. <laughs> so everyone knows my stance on that logo. I love the Yankees logo. And I, I don't actually dislike the Red Sox logo. It's just my least favorite one, but it's not, I don't dislike it. It's just the bottom of the list. I just don't like Boston sports. Look at this pillow. I got, look at this pillow. I don't dislike the it's logo. I just think it's ranks at the bottom of all of the logos ever. It's just awful. <laughs> That's a great pillow. Just hold on one second. Let me just. Oh, there we go. Oh, all right. Okay, so they're both muted. Um, we like to thank our listeners for tuning in, downloading, subscribing, reviewing, liking, sharing it. We love you guys. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I am Mike. Those two idiots can't talk right now, but they're McLean and Jay. We appreciate your support, and we'll see you next week. Cheers. Cheers.